When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Already the longest day of my life, and oh look, it's only ten. How nice! So coffee. That's not funny. I can give you herbal tea. This is not an herbal tea morning. This is a coffee morning. Every morning for you is a coffee morning. This is a jumbo coffee morning. I need coffee and an IV. I can give you tea and a balance bar. Please, please, please tell me you're kidding. I'm kidding. Hey guys, it's Sandy. And I'm Jeff. And this is Emily, and welcome to Town Meeting. This week we are discussing episode two of Gilmore Girls, and we are going to start off with Sandra's Sucky Summaries. It's time for Sandra's Sucky Summaries. At the Gilmore Girls' house, we find out that private school girls are bad, and bad girls always wear red nail polish. Daisy Dukes are just not a good look. A yellow tie worn by a potential Lorelei suitor and Roy's black and white bowling shoes compete for ugliest clothing item. At Chilton, Lorelai is made to take off her coat like she's a toddler in a preschool, exposing the fact that she has a side gig as a cowgirl. We also find out that Rory's low maintenance, like a Honda. In the headmaster's office, this so-called headmaster Charleston looks a 16-year-old dead in the eye and tells her there's a good chance she'll fail. Meanwhile, with Rory's new classmates, Madeline hates bugs as much as I do, Paris is super intense, and Tristan doles out biblical insults. Back in Stars Hollow, Luke Steiner finally looks like Luke Steiner, and there are no cell phones allowed. Miss Patty reminds us that this is not Brazil, and Lane hangs out alone in a foxy pink hoodie. Michelle roasts the hell out of some old ladies, and Babette's gnomes make their first appearance. And in the craziest part of this entire episode, a man not named Kirk, but looks exactly like Kirk, tries to install DSL. Back at Chilton, Rory and Paris are firmly in the enemy stage in their enemies to friend saga, and castles get destroyed. It turns out that in this world, we fight not with our fists or with a big guy named Moose, which ironically was not about Jared Pelleke, but with academia and knowing just who Martin Luther is. And that was the Lorelai's first day at Chilton. Let's discuss. I'll start from the very beginning of the episode, essentially, in terms of, like, discussion points of Lorelai not waking up to her fuzzy purring cat alarm. They live in an old house. I know from experience, old houses creak. You hear everything. How in the world did Rory not know that Lorelai was not awake when she has clearly been up for a while? And showered. I'm assuming well, she showered. And the bathroom is upstairs. Oh, good point. I have I have a guess as to why. She doesn't care. I think it's because Lorelai wasn't even in the Gilmore Girls house. Because our establishing oh, shot... Oh yeah, it's not. Our establishing no, no, no. shot yeah, of the I Gilmore totally Girls house with Lorelai's room mm-hmm. is like... I don't know what the architect term is, but it's like 
where a piece of the second floor kind of like pops out over a lower roof, which does not mm-hmm. exist on the Gilmore Girls house. Like it was so funny and so startling to me. Like I I was just sitting down starting episode two and I was like, where is this? I, I could have sworn it starts at the Gilmore house. Oh, it does. This is they're pretending this is the Gilmore mm-hmm. house. So that's why she didn't know. It's a completely different like, yeah, it's a completely different floor. Um, also, it doesn't make sense because her bedroom takes up like a big part of it, mm-hmm. right? And then it goes into the bathroom. But their house is like the living room to the kitchen yeah. is so long, right? Yeah. Where is that length upstairs? None of this house makes sense. Like the exterior yeah. and the interior just do not match. And then especially like the windows and the doors and everything, like. So technically, if you go in the front door, those front windows on the right should be Rory's bedroom. But, like, they do not match the windows from inside her bedroom. I mean, that's just, like... No, they don't. A a big prime example right there. And then, like, the door on the kitchen looks like it comes off to the left if you're looking the front. Um, So, like, whenever you see them going in and out, it looks like they're coming in and out from the left of the house. But, like, that door should clearly be in the back of the house. There are so many things about Lorelai and Rory's house that are, like, they just don't make sense. And I, I understand, like, from, like, a, a TV filming perspective, right? You have your shell house that is, like, one house on one side. And I think, is it Suki's house on the I other? I think so, yeah. Like, the actual set piece? So, like, it's not a real house. But then you're working with the inside of the house and I think that other shows must just handle it a little bit better because I don't know if I've ever been in a fandom that has noticed the wonkiness of a house quite the way that the Gilmore Girls fandom does like everybody knows that there's teleportation happening in the Gilmore Girls house especially around that back door physics does not make sense Um, also I wanted to just bring up isn't it weird that Lorelai lives upstairs and Rory lives downstairs? Yes. A little bit. Yeah. Like, usually the children are farther away from the front door. Yeah. Yeah. I, this, this is what? This is a... Are we ever... Is there a third bedroom no. somewhere in the house? This is a two-bedroom, no. one-and-a-half, supposedly one-and-a-half bath, because I think they mentioned at one point, like, the downstairs is just, like, a powder room type thing, and then they have one full yeah. bathroom upstairs, but... You do, I think, kind of see the hallway for, like, half a second, and you have, like, the half wall that goes around the top of the stairs, and then, like, the bathroom Mm -hmm. up there is at the end of that hallway, and that's all that's up there. Which, yeah, it really doesn't make sense at all. I mean, I guess, I guess the top floor of the house is smaller, like, a smaller footprint than the bottom floor. Like, even the shell is kind Mm -hmm. of, like, stacked that way. Anyway... I was just thrown off by the fact that this didn't look like the Gilmore Girls house. And then we immediately go into Lorelai being in bed, Rory being very upset. And I I think that Lauren Graham is a really great actress. Oh, like, yes. I've always thought that, especially in Gilmore. I think she's very believable, which is hard to do, I think, when you're such, like, kind of a quirky character. Like, she pulls it mm-hmm. off, and it seems effortless. I will say, her pretending to be startled awake, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, we're different. People. I'm not sure my first reaction of it's seven ten or whatever time it was would have been like, no, it's not. My first reaction would have been like a, a straight up, oh shit, and like jump out of bed. 
I will yeah. say, absolutely, in terms of Laura, like getting up and worry, seven eleven, seven twelve, seven fifty. Like I, I whatever times they were. Like I was living for Laura. I was living for Laura. Lies. <laughs> oh, for the love of God! Absolutely. I mean, um, it, I one hundred percent would have <laughs> done that. Just bid on your mom. Like we need to go. Laura, you're not contributing. I, I'm almost positive I did do that. <laughs> Not it was not uh constructive. It, no, it did not help at all. I recognize that. I'm almost thirty though, but at sixteen, <laughs> oof. And I will say, so one of the first things, and Sandra mentioned it in this episode, is Lorelai's outfit. I, however, want to save my commentary for Fashion with Jess towards the end. Um, because I have some ideas, some thoughts, some feelings about what we see on Miss Lorelai Gilmore. Can I mention that there's a lavender and white yes. dress? Oh, girl, believe me, I got notes. I have a whole... There you're stealing my whole bit. We'll, we'll, we'll bring you it up. You see in her then. closet that could have been yeah, better yeah. than what she wore. We'll talk about the outfit later. Yeah. But, so, to it's kind of yikes. jump forward a little bit, one of the things that I found in my watching of this episode is I had a lot of why questions. Like, Why? Why is this happening? Why did this need to happen? Why is this decision being made? And my first why came when the Lorelai's arrived at Chilton. And, you know, Lorelai's saying, you know, good luck, kiddo. You're great. I love you. Have a great day. And Rory's like, uh, you need to come in with me. Why? Why? Like, okay. why? Here's what my, my public school girl brain thought. And then you can tell me if how wrong I am. My public school brain thought, Okay, Lorelai looks not ready to meet the headmaster. Why doesn't she go in and meet him at the end of the day? Like, pick Rory up from school, go in, and then Rory's had a chance to go to her classes, and she can say, hi, I'm Rory's mom, nice to meet you, and she could be dressed. That's what I thought. That was why I was like, why go in now? This is ridiculous. Yeah, no, and you're you're totally right. That would make sense in uh, real life. Yes. Just... Hey, I can't go in now. Or hey, I don't want to take off my coat, and I have every another big to why. not take off my coat. And during that meeting too, like Lorelai, not I don't want to say she does nothing productive, but she technically does nothing productive that she would require her to be in there. There's no paperwork that needs signed. There's there's literally no logistical reason for her to be in there other than meeting. So that's what I was gonna say, is that because um, I I remember my first day of school in high school. And we did have to go in with our parents, but they had to do a lot of paperwork. Okay. It had to do with tuition. It had, or really, you had to meet like the teachers. I don't know. They had this whole event. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a whole thing. I don't think it's at every school. At my school specifically, it was just because of paperwork mostly. And that makes sense. In my public girl school, public school girl experience, like paperwork and everything was signed. There was like a parents' night. Before classes, before school actually starts. So that's when parents went, yeah. signed anything that needed to be signed, met the teachers. And there was like a kids night out kind of thing where the kids could meet the teachers. And like, it was all done before school. Now, I understand Rory is starting in the middle of the year. Yes. So different experience. Yeah, different, different setup. That is true. We actually, yeah, we would start like the first week of September. But we would have um, in the last week of August, like an open house mm-hmm. where um, the, the parents could go in. Now, I did want to actually talk about the first day of school because I want to know if this is one of your why questions. Yeah. 
is Emily and her insistence on buying all these other things. Yeah. So I just want to go over all of the clothes that I had. Ooh, I'm excited. For my uniform. So I did have two skirts like Rory. Now here's the thing. There's two different types of skirts. There's the plaid skirt and there's the blue skirt. Mm-hmm. And the blue skirt was just a like a baby blue skirt. There was... You could either wear a white button-up or a polo shirt. The polo shirt could either be green or white. Now, green does not go with blue, so you had to wear the white one with the blue skirt, the green one with the green plaid skirt. There were three different types of vests. One that was closed, one that was open, and one that was buttoned. Oh my gosh, so many options. Mix and match. (laughs) There was a sweater, and uh, like I mentioned last time, you could wear pants as a woman or a girl, but everyone teased you. Don't know why, but yeah, okay, we'll go with it. There were khaki pants, um, and then you could wear whatever shirt with it because khaki goes with everything. Yeah. And uh, you also had had Mary Janes, right? Love, black love only. Knee-high uh, socks, they could either be green, black, or white. Did you have to wear knee-high socks if you were wearing the skirt? Yes. Okay. You could technically wear uh, pantyhose, but no one really did. And they were all uh, custom-made. Oh, wow. You had to get them at a specific place. And each piece would cost $70 to $100. Did you have all of them? That's insane. No. <laughs> I had two skirts. I had the blue skirt and I had the, the plaid skirt. Because the blue skirt was like the summer skirt. And then I had the polos. And I had a white button up. I did not get any of the vests or like the sweaters mm. or any of that stuff. There was a fleece you could wear a fleece. I did have to buy that. It was $40 yeah. because it's freezing. I was going to ask, school. can you just wear like whatever outerwear? No. So everything wow. has to be like school branded attire. Yes. Oh my God. We probably dropped three to $400. And now was that like per year? Did stuff change per year? Like once you bought something, you could use it as long as it fit essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that helps. So by senior year, you probably had to get different stuff. This is going to add kind of onto this. I personally stopped growing at like 11 so i like wow. age 11 12 and i other than you know the boobs i stopped growing so when emily is trying to buy all the stuff for war she mentioned the coat size six and lorelei says i'd get her an eight in case she grows and i'm like i i know late puberty's totally a thing but like even a lot of late puberty is like 13 14 15 Rory has clearly gone through puberty so how much is Lorelai expecting her to grow between in the next like two to three years well i will give you a funny anecdote from my own mom and i still laugh about this this is this is something that i have shared with many people because i think it's so funny it was just my mom and i were just talking and i don't drink coffee that's something that's I've just never liked coffee I don't like the taste I don't even like you know like an iced or frappuccino or anything like that but I've always when people offered me coffee said oh no like I don't, I don't want to stunt my growth and it started off when I was a kid you know like they were like don't drink coffee it'll stunt your growth but then as I'm like a 22 23 24 year old and I'm telling people oh I don't want to stunt my growth I used to say oh I want to grow another two inches my mom one day responded honey if you're going to do any more growing, it's going to be out, not up. <laughs> and I was like, thanks, Fair, mom. But I still like another two inches. <laughs> I'm 5'8". If I could be 5'10", ooh, I'd be in a, like a, I'd be Wonder Woman, you know, but. So um, I actually am opposite to you, Emily, or what you were saying, because 
my sophomore year, I was 5'6", and by senior year, really? I was 5'9". Oh, man. Yeah. And I'm 5'9", like, I stayed there, which I feel super tall, and I'm so done with it. <laughs> what is it with me and all of my friends being tall? I'm 5'3", I'm I'm now. I hit 5'1", yeah. at 11, and then somewhere between, like, 19 and 22, I grew another two inches. No idea why. No idea how. Living my dream. <laughs> I was like, broke that five foot mark perfectly and added some to it or <laughs> something. I don't know. But yeah, weird late puberty, I grew two inches. But that would not have affected a coat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I bet that was really tough, like doing the um, uniforms for boys. Because mm -hmm. boys in high school, the way that they grow, oh they like shoot up. They'll bulk out one year, then they'll shoot up the next year, and then two months later, they bulked again. Like, I can't imagine being a private school boy's mom, because that would be so expensive. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast or not, but I have a three-year-old, so just to throw that out there. I refuse to buy anything for her that's more than, like, $10, because she goes out of it so fast. Yeah. And she's at an age where she does not care. She does not know what's on her body as long as she is not too hot and not too cold. And even then she doesn't care. But like a high school boy, especially in like private schooling, they are going to care. Which means these parents, oh, yeah. and, you know, most of them are rich, but still these parents are going to be shelling out probably hundreds of dollars every single year, hell, every six months Yeah, to, to clothe them. <laughs> my problem is, is that my school district is not too great. So I did have to go to a private school to get a better education. It was a sacrifice for my parents, you know, and I completely, I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. Um, it changed my life in a different way. Uh, I won't say it made me more religious because it did not. But, you know, I was in a good environment while I was there. But it was a little weird being, because I did have a scholarship so as well. you were That's a scholarship nice. kid that I'm sure asshole kids are more than happy to remind you of. I was a scholarship kid. I was say, you're, you might not have had as many bullies in, in your school as my school. You know what? Middle school was atrocious, but high school was okay. Yeah. But middle school, I could literally cut out all those years and I'd be better I for think it, everybody I think. had a rough middle school experience. Yeah. Speaking of which, that actually brings us into bullies pretty well. Yeah. And I, w I will say we, we've touched on it quickly, but I think the first act mm -hmm. of bullying that we see in this episode is Headmaster Charleston and Emily making Lorelai take off her coat. Um, yes. That was just, it's, it was another one of my whys. It just, like, the idea of being an adult woman, right? And having somebody repeatedly tell you to take off an item of clothing. Like, I don't care that it's a coat. I don't care that it's a hot place. Like, I was very uncomfortable in my body in high school. Mm -hmm. And I wore a big oversized sweatshirt, like, pretty much all day, all year round. Like, one of the high school, you know, football sweatshirts. Um, if somebody had even said to me then, as technically a child, that I was supposed to take off an item of clothing... I would have been so humiliated. And in this case, mm. Lorelai has chosen her big coat to cover up what she's wearing. And I just like the idea of going into a place and having somebody be like, it's hot in here. You need to take off your coat. Like you need to take off your coat. You have to like, I would just, leave. I think if Lorelai had been anywhere else and it hadn't been her mother telling her, I don't think she would have done it. 
I think part of it, though, yeah. is that it's also coming from her mother. And while she loves rebelling, some stuff is just so ingrained that you almost just yeah. do it without even really thinking. Well, I do think that, like, last episode, Rory was the one with the word problem. And this episode, it was Lorelai. And Lorelai um, could not handle a sentence this time around. She she got nervous and she panicked. And I also noticed with the theme of bullying, the unnecessary jab at the secretary. I have notes on that, too. Like, I thought it was so incredibly rude. I have so rude double underlined in my notes. And this is the first time. So watching this back as like an adult, I feel like I'm having a really different reaction to Rory and and Lorelai and the way that they interact with people. Um, Because throughout this episode and the next episode, which I also watched in preparation, um, there are so many points where they are unimaginably rude. Um, and going in on the secretary was the first one where I was just like, are you kidding me? The secretary looks up and Lorelai goes, oh, wow. Yeah. And I like, I don't know what we were supposed to see. Like, it just looked like a somewhat older woman with a very mm-hmm. conservative, very modest um, outfit on. Right. Yeah. Very Professor McGonagall kind Absolutely. of type vibe. They did that for every woman and children though and i i noticed this every yeah. single woman and children is a mm-hmm. a late middle-aged woman with graying hair pulled back in a tight bun who is also very abrupt and if not outright rude borderline so we can get to it in a minute but like the teacher in the history class like she, I, I was watching that one i'm like do you like teaching or are you just like over and done but anyway back to the lorelei's <laughs> no just when Lorelai, when the woman goes to open up the headmaster's office and Lorelai turns to Rory and says, that's what happens when you go to bed with makeup on. And I just like, come on. I don't know. I don't know what that was supposed to be other than now I look at it and it's like, how catty and, and rude. I think this episode is a prime episode of the jokes being of the time. And I, I, yeah, I think a definitely. lot of, a lot of this episode, a lot of the humor and a lot of the lines in it, a lot of this episode would not fly today on any kind of TV show. And especially not one after the other after the other. And I know that when I was a teenager watching this did not phase me yeah. at all. Didn't even think about it. Right. It was just like, oh yeah, she is an old lady. Ugh. And then I moved on. Yeah. And it continues with the headmaster because headmaster Charleston we're going to get an instance much later on in the series where someone's going to look Rory in the eyes and tells her she doesn't mm-hmm. have it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But this is the first time it happens to her. And this time she's not a 21-year-old in college. She's 16 but years old. But at this old. point, it's not, it's not direct and it's not from somebody that she's worked with. It's a figure who is like, you might not have it. And if you don't, that's okay, but you're not going to have it here. Like, I have worked in education. I've worked in high schools. And, like, there's it's one thing to present realistic expectations to a student and it's another thing to like I feel like the way that he speaks to her is very much uh he's talking down to her a little bit you know he's yes he's doing the whole big fish small pond thing which is very legitimate but I don't think that it's his place as the headmaster to do that um I would say that's more of a guidance counselor thing and I have a note on the guidance counselor too I don't know if anybody else caught this I did line. catch it, what you're talking about yeah so like again the she goes she takes her little paper into the office 
right? Right after we're done with the headmaster. And they go over all of her paperwork or whatever. And the office lady says, the guidance counselor handles everything but pregnancy and bulimia. Like, this felt to me kind of like, almost like the Mrs. Kim line all over again. Like, can you imagine? What is a coach going to do Sandra, with, like, with those things? Right? Like, but Sandra, can you imagine the office lady at your your private school? Oh, no, definitely Saying well, either of those I words to Catholic you? Catholic school. But I mean, so, still, yeah. like. Definitely there would has never to be a have been said. I, I can totally understand. Yeah, so? definitely. So nurse Rubens would have been, I feel like, a completely appropriate to refer that because those are health issues. Yeah. But coach is like, mm-hmm. oh, the softball coach, the gym teacher, like, because she teaches health class, like, what ultimately, what is she going to do? Like, guidance counselors, yeah. nurses, any teacher, they're mandatory reporters. So if you were to go to them with some kind of, like, home issue or pregnancy, I, I, I don't know about pregnancy or bulimia, um, I would say at least bulimia, they would be required to report that to your home. And I don't feel like, yeah. you know, the softball coach or the gym coach is going to be able to give you the support that you need to deal with something like that. Then a guidance counselor, yeah. A guidance counselor at that point, I feel like, would be a better or a nurse. option if you don't have a nurse because at least they can then have resources available Mm -hmm. yeah so um before we leave the headmaster i do want to mention he says that the name gilmore is not going to get you ahead i have Mm -hmm. notes about that and yet yeah when we get into the class tristan is late he hands a note right and it's just that oh my grandfather's sick Mm -hmm. right so he uses his name or Mm -hmm. his grandfather's name to get out of trouble so we just saw no that's incorrect headmaster charleston maybe it's just the gilmore name which we see another instance of that later but definitely saying a name works well yes i definitely feel like he was kind of like if i feel like this wouldn't have happened if emily had not been i have that exactly i wonder if emily made it worse by she and i feel like she implied that rory is expecting special treatment and so rory shows up emily leaves Mm -hmm. and headmaster charleston straight up like just so we're clear you're not special and in fact, I expect you to fail. Or even if, yeah. if it's not Rory, like, it's implying that Emily expects special treatment. She says, this is a Gilmore. And she she is saying, this is my granddaughter. She deserves nothing but the best, which is fine and good to say to somebody, but not in this situation, right? This is an awkward situation for somebody to be like, give me special treatment. A school is not the place for that. Yeah, and Emily, last week, she was not prime Emily, right? She was a We see quintessential Emily. Emily today. But this is prime. This is Emily to a T. They took the pilot, and I'm sure they took whoever watched the pilot, right? Because there's, like, people who watch the pilot and respond to it. Mm-hmm. Whoever those were, thank you. Thank you. You made Emily who she is. They changed the hair. They changed the outfit. Her entire vibe is different. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I mean, I hate it because it's like awful. I don't think it's a nice thing, but I love the character. Oh, yeah. The sarcasm is awful. I also, and this is a complete side note, I'm super curious where Lorelai went to school because obviously she went to private school and we see in some flashback areas that she's wearing like a red, similar uniform, just red plaid, red and white instead. But like Emily mentions... Oh, Chilton, that's only five minutes from here, and it's such a great school, and apparently she's best friends with, you know, Headmaster of Charleston and his wife, Biddy. Why would Lorelai have not gone there then? And with Headmaster Charleston as as old, let's be fair, as old as he is, I feel like he would have been Headmaster there for a long time, to the point that Lorelai would have almost had connections there. So she clearly went somewhere else. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. 
I guess why. Mm-hmm. I mean, she might not have had the grades to get into Chilton, you know. Yeah, and Christopher's not exactly the smartest either. Look at Tristan. I'm not exactly sure you need the grades if you have the money. That you're you're not wrong. Uh, speaking of Tristan, he is kind of a bully. Oh, absolutely. You can say he's a boy with a crush, but he's also... He comes off to me, and this might be extreme, so I am sorry, but he totally comes off to me as, like, a future sexual assaulter. I did get by. I I will say he he does not respect boundaries. Um, That's something that we see with Tristan kind of throughout his run on the Mm -hmm. show. Um, And I had kind of forgotten about that first instance where he's offering to share his notes. For Um, favors. And it's very much implied that he is kind of trying to see what she's willing to do and i think that this is something that probably works for tristan right like the character yeah um he's very good looking he apparently has family power if not family money uh we know that paris later on has a big crush on him and would probably like be down to do something like that if he was offering it definitely but it is it's really uncomfortable to watch especially because we just saw the contrast of Rory with Dean, right? Rory with Dean, mm-hmm. he's giving her space. It's very much a um, a mutual interest. And then we have Tristan, and he's very icky. He calls her Mary, which is like, I get that it's a funny thing, but... But it ties into that virginity, like, sexual vibes. Yeah. And the thing about Tristan is, I will admit, I like Tristan back Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. The scene at the piano. Oh, yeah. Heartbreak. Chad McElroy was always a crush for me. And so watching him there, I was just like, oh, my God, she has Mm -hmm. to get with him because I hate Dean so much. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. At this point, you have two very vague potential love interests. Yes. If you've watched from the very beginning, you don't necessarily know which direction it's going to go. And, And I do think in high school, as you said, Sandra, that like... Those vibes as an adult come off creepy. As a kid with hormones raging and, oh my god, this cute boy's talking to me. You don't, you don't, I didn't get that. I was just straight up, oh my god, this cute boy's talking to me. Absolutely. Well, I guess I never understood why Rory didn't like Tristan, right? Because she never actually gives him, like, any indication that she likes him. Besides, later on, maybe a little flirty scenes. But now I do. I have to even go as far as, I don't think she ever gave him any signs that she actively disliked him either because she would call him out but then she would continue to have a conversation with him but this i mean this is getting farther into other episodes so mm-hmm. i don't want to go down that rabbit hole yeah i think that might have been part of Rory's problem of having to be nice to everybody though but it's it's how much of it is her and how much of it is what she feels like she needs to do and i don't want to go too far into other episodes either but Tristan does remind me of Logan. They have very oh, yeah, similar... Oh, I could totally voice. see that. I could totally see that being, like, high school Logan. It would be the same person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's a bully. We go on to the other bully of the episode, Paris, who, like, hones in. <sighs> the biggest bully. <laughs> and this this was one of my big whys. Of Paris has been going to the school for years. She grew up with everybody. I mean, she talks about how she's known Tristan, like, their entire lives. Preschool or first grade or whatever. Yeah. But why does she zero in so directly on Rory, this girl that she knows absolutely nothing about, and pulls a headmaster and basically says, you're here to fail, and I'm going to make sure you do. Why? Well, apparently she's a journalist major, which I've never, <laughs> I've never heard, heard of in high a major school. In I thought school. that was so weird. <laughs> and then when I, I know when I was applying for college, it's like, what's your major? I'm like, well, I'm not in college. I don't have a major. A high school major I don't think is a real thing. Maybe it is at these, like, super prestigious prep schools 
maybe. But I mean, I guess if you're if your entire intent with high school is college prep, it might make sense to be targeting yourself in a certain direction. Um, but yeah, it's so weird. And I think that Paris is especially like I really like what you said earlier, Sandra, about this is the beginning of their like enemies to friends arc. Um, mm-hmm. But Paris starts off as such an after school special level bully. Mm-hmm. Right. It's yeah. like ridiculous the amount of anger and frustration and just bitterness she has towards Rory starting with that scene where uh the Lorelai's walk past the trio of Chilton girls and the three girls just stop and watch them walk by yeah and that's like uh-oh something's going oh, so here's on the and girls. like the whole orchestrating orchestrating the file folder drop through the window like Mm-hmm. just ridiculous i want to know what paris said and to this what? girl to get her to give them the folder because it's established later that paris pretty much has no <laughs> friends except madeline and louise so uh paris is I, scary i feel like she bullied or blackmailed this girl into getting a folder for her i think that paris is also the kind of girl where um i mean i definitely had some people like this when i was in high school where you just kind of do what they say to get them to leave you alone, right? Not even, like, from a bullying yeah. perspective, but it's just, like, you're going to be weird to me if I don't just do this thing. So, like, yeah, you can be in my my team. Or, like, yeah, you can, like, I just don't want to deal with it. I'm going to let mm-hmm. you do what you want or I'm going to do what you ask because I know that it's going to make you leave me alone faster. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of seems like Paris was made to look like the queen bee in yeah. this episode right? yeah she has these two friends around her and she's like one of the popular kids and you learn very quickly paris is not one of the popular kids no but the frame but madeline and louise are madeline is like right? so sweet so it's interesting like you can't not she like is. her also she has red hair <laughs> did you guys notice she has red hair because i could not I not notice that later on she has black hair yeah, she has red hair in this episode. <laughs> it kind of distracted me every time. But yeah, she's so sweet. And Louise, yeah, she's a nice girl. I have nothing to say but about they're, Louise. They're I don't think girls. she ever was really given a personality. Yeah, exactly. They are absolutely the kind of girls that Lorelai is talking about in the nail polish scene, right? Like, they're the bad mm-hmm. girls at the uh, the school who wear red nail polish. Like, that's their vibe. They love that vibe. Later on, once they become more friendly with Rory, we see that vibe in action. Hundred um, percent. We hear more about their backstories. Yes, but and it was it was interesting to me. I think it was interesting casting. Um, when I look at the three of those girls, if I was a casting director based purely off of like trying to cast like who's going to be the queen bee of my trio, I don't know if I would have picked. Is it Liza? Lisa? Yeah, Liza. I actually have uh, something about yeah. that. Liza, I hope it's Liza. She tried out for Rory. Oh, yes. And they liked her so much, they created yeah. Paris for That's her. That's fascinating. I will agree yeah. with that, though. On the trio okay. of them, so. I would have chosen Louise. Like, Louise just has, I feel like, more of the look for a She has bee. the look. The, yeah. I guess, and... And not but, that none of them are not pretty, they're all gorgeous, but, like, Louise has, like, exactly. the, the normal, stereotypical, gorgeous girl look. The beautiful eyes, the smile, yeah. the blonde hair. And what's crazy is that Liza now, in, like, How to Get Away with Murder, which was a couple years ago, she's so fierce. Yeah. Like, I mean, and she's got incredible she's acting. Oh, yeah. I think some of the best acting that we see throughout the series is, like, in 
like raw Paris moment, like where we see her Mm -hmm. not putting on a mask, you know, um, I will say we've talked a lot about Chilton, but there are things that happen in Stars Hollow. Yes, there are the townspeople. There are. And I, I do have to bring this up. This is another point that I pointed out. So we met Drella in our first episode, right? She's brash. She's sassy. She's going to play the harp her way. In this episode, Drella is so unpleasant. Yes, I have a note on that as well. That she's not even just unpleasant. She's like outright combative and incredibly unprofessional. And I understand like, oh, the beautiful country inn, let's have a heart player. But honestly, with that personality, I would have fired her after the first day. I'm like, I'm sorry, this, I cannot, I I cannot... I cannot take the risk that you're going to alienate one of our guests so much that we have to comp their entire room. Like, you're, I'm sorry. Definitely. And Lorelai is a, a good manager. Yeah. Like, she de-escalated that situation with the car. With cute Derek. Um, Can we all take a moment to appreciate <laughs> cute Derek, the car boy? Derek was quite was cute. so cute. We're going to talk about Derek later. Hint, hint. <laughs> oh, now I know. Um, I do think that, you know, like, Drella... They obviously, like, she, again, she was supposed to play Suki, Alex Borstein, so, yeah. like, they wanted to keep her for as long as they could, and they wanted to bring mm-hmm. laughs, right? Because she's a funny mm-hmm. lady. However, it goes back into that rude temperament yeah. that we keep seeing, and it's just, like, I, no one's perfect, right? No one's this innocent, nice little girl, right? And you don't have to be that either, but everyone has so far just showed yeah. rudeness. yeah. It takes a while, I think, which for us weird. to get a lot of depth mm-hmm. in our side characters, which is fine, right? You know, like, we're only in episode mm-hmm. two, but going back into this, sitting down and watching from the beginning, it kind of it kind of rubs me the wrong way. I wonder if I was watching this completely fresh, having never seen it. You know, like, Michel, like, how does he still have a job? Yes. The way that he interacts with guests, I don't know. the way he interacts with his supervisor. Mm-hmm. With Lorelai. Is yeah. not appropriate. Like, I don't care how good he is at, what, answering phones Concierging. and writing. Is that a word? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think concierging, the art of the concierge. <laughs> the, I'm not your faithful pooch and answering the phones. And, you know, the women come downstairs and ask about, you know, antique shops and just like your house. Like, honestly, depending on how cranky those women were, they could have probably gotten a big discount on their room which means he would be costing the in money not only in a salary yeah. but in losing money from paying clients if you offend them enough and i wonder what it says about lorelei as a manager if these are the people who she is hiring and keeping on staff but then she has right? derek who is uh, obviously so derek. sweet derek who's so like upset yeah right he's upset because he doesn't think that he caused this problem but at the same time, he really wants to keep his job and he wants to make it up to Lorelai. There is a little hint of weird sexual harassment. <laughs> that that outfit with, really not really Derek, know, works well but you or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. but then it, it transfers over to Michelle and Lorelai, mm-hmm. which was weird. Um, again, I think that would just be a product yeah. of his time. I will yeah. say in that conversation though between her and Derek, I think this truly establishes Lorelai's ability to smooth talk her way into anything or out of anything yeah which i in in it 
my understanding or, or my take on it is in a show that very much portrays real characters with flaws and and different personality takes like I just feel like that is so unrealistic that she can get away with just about anything because she can talk her way out of it <laughs> some of the things that come out of Lorelai's mouth throughout the series you know when she's talking to strangers when she's talking to guests like I'm gobsmacked like she just gets away There's with confidence. it. And exactly. Yep. Because she does it with confidence. Also because this world literally revolves around her. It is the Gilmore <laughs> Girls. But So there is one person we haven't talked about that was at Chilton, but is also in Stars Hollow. Yeah. That is Yellow Tie Man. Jack. His name is Ian Jack. Who is, you know, whatever, charismatic. He's a little older, I'm assuming. And asking her out. And she says... No, because you're associated with Because you're a Chilton dad. But I have a note about this. Which I think is either a great volley into future episodes, into what's going to happen, or they completely forgot about it. Like, I cannot imagine the person who says, I'm not willing to date this divorced Chilton dad, right? He's unattached. He just has a kid that goes to school with my kid. And then turns around and dates a Chilton teacher. Like, <laughs> how, do, how do those thoughts exist in the same person? How do, you, how do you make that work? And her initial reaction to both of them, too. Like, I feel like she had a much stronger reaction to Jack than she did to Max. Yeah, she, like, got all goofy. She got all goofy <laughs> like... and flirty and completely forgets that she's supposed to be taking her daughter to the headmaster. Like, that that part just blows my mind. Like, she, she acts like she forgets Rory's even there. And she's just, like, fully yeah. in, mm-hmm. engrossed in flirting with this man that she just met because he's into her. But then, you know, when we first see Max, that's that's not her reaction. She's there for Rory and Rory's school and, and parent-teacher meetings and stuff. So, I... I, I don't understand, as you guys have said, the logic of, I can't date a Chilton dad, but I'll bang the teacher. <laughs> I feel like it's totally normal, at least at least I'll say in a, in a public school, right? And I went to a large public school. My parents were both married. However, if I had had a single parent and they had run into another single parent at like a back to school night or something, I don't think that it would be weird for those two parents to date. Like, yeah, it might be kind of weird if they, like, got married and then you have step-sibling kind of dynamics or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, ugh. I, when she said that, she was like, he's a Chilton dad. I was like, Laura Gilmore. Oh. My mom was really good friends with the teachers because uh, they knew each other from my uh, grammar school, my elementary school goes into the high school. Like, there's mm-hmm. the same program. So a lot of people yeah. just know each other, right? So um, my mom knew most of my teachers, which was so awkward, right? Because she'll be like, oh, and I talked to Jack today and we talked about this. And I'm like, who's Jack? Oh, Mr. Sullivan. Why are you talking to my algebra teacher? Why is this happening? I have the same thing just because I grew up in a tiny town that my dad also grew up in. So my dad knew all of the (laughs) teachers from when he was a student. One of my brothers and a friend of his did senior ditch day and they called in for each other of so-and-so's got an appointment he's not going to be in today or he'll be in later something and the secretary that they called into then called my dad and was like hey we just got a call from 
son that he's going to be out and he they said he was you is he out today and my dad's like yeah no so then when they got the call that my brother was going to be in at a certain time they called my dad back my dad was sitting in the front office when my brother walked into school oh, no. oh man small town problem i love my small town <laughs> okay coming back to gilmore girls we have a few more key we points. have yes uh we have potential mm-hmm. suitor number one yes but we also have potential suitor or potential for the entire series suitor yes. number two luke danes yes i had forgotten how hard they really went in on the lorelei and luke thing in episode two i think it was unintentional mm-hmm. straight away because i mean they say that yeah. luke, so luke's role was initially supposed to be a woman but then i don't know studio mm-hmm. execs or somebody was like hey we we need some male there there are no men in this show we need at least one mm-hmm. main male character because Richard, at least in the beginning, is very in and out. He's only, I feel like he's only really in mm-hmm. like half the episodes. Well, right, he wasn't even in this um, one, yeah. But my understand, my, from what I've read, Lauren Graham and Scott Cohen, I think that's his name, right? Is that his last name? Scott Patterson. Scott Patterson. Where did I get? Okay, Scott Patterson. I have no idea where I got Cohen. <laughs> There's a Cohen in here somewhere, I'm sure. Scott Cohen is uh, Max. I'm almost certain it's Max. So Lauren Graham yeah. and Scott Patterson had such amazing chemistry from the bat. They're like, ah, oh, okay, okay, let's let's do this. So I feel like pilot, they got the chemistry. Episode two, we're doing it. I feel like from the um, response on the pilot of the chemistry, they're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna dive into this and we're gonna make it a thing. And I love Lore, uh, Lorelai being like, what do you think about Luke? And Rory immediately being like, no. no. No, because we eat here every day, and if you broke up, we'd have to go somewhere else. And also, it's the first mention of Al from Al's Pancake World, Mm -hmm. but it seems like at this point in the show, it's not Al's Pancake World. It's just Pancake World, and Al works there, based on the way it was said in the episode. So, looking forward to Al, you know, becoming a franchise owner. Good for him. Somebody we do see in this episode is Mick. You know, everybody's favorite character, Mick. Right, yeah. Fan favorite Mick. Mick the DSL guy. Yeah. Uh, played by... Sean Gunn. Sean Gunn, a.k.a. Kirk. This is just one of those moments <laughs> uh, where you see him and you instantly, as a Gilmore fan, know what to expect, right? Like, Kirk, the way that Sean holds his body when he is Kirk is different, yes. right? He just... Mm-hmm. Kirk's just a, a different guy. He's got a looseness to him. He's got a nervousness to him. And then you have Mick, who's just kind of surly and, like, off-putting. It's just such an interesting introduction to one of my absolute favorite Gilmore actors. I mean, he does still have the same, Cookiness. like... Well, that's not a frog. That's a turtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, of uh, very literal. You have to be very literal with Kirk. And that was kind of seen with Mick. Why didn't they just keep Mick? Like the name, right? Maybe like, people I mean, don't it's like kind it. of an odd name. I would assume it's short it for Mickey. Kirk right? isn't exactly a normal name either, though. But to completely reinvent him, I'm curious when we hear the first named Kirk. Moment. Yeah, yeah. I think it's actually the next episode, or Not it the might next be the, episode. the, the next episode, episode after. We don't get so a name. we have, I think, two. I want to say we have two more episodes before he's officially named Kirk because we have two more jobs of him being the surly Mick. Just I don't like even know if he's Mick. Surly laborer. Not, he's not Kirk. At least he doesn't act like Kirk. Unnamed man. Mm-hmm. And this is also a great 
scene because we get a little bit of Babette and Maury. Yes. Um, I My I couple. love them. They're so fun. I think this is one of the best cast couples in the show, if not for anything else physically. Like, the physical yeah. juxtaposition of tiny little Babette and big, noodly Maury is so much fun. I love imagining them and their life and this jazz guy in all black with the sunglasses and the hat like what fun neighbors I'm obsessed with their gnomes I love their gnomes yeah. and something that I noticed in the episode was their bottle tree I I love Ooh, that I yeah and the behind them when they're sitting on the um, lawn chairs they have like wine bottles and stuff hanging oh. in the tree behind them and it's just like so bohemian and fun like I want to, I want to learn more about that. Babette and Maury for me are couple goals. <laughs> like that's where I want to be in forty years. My husband of just he's still absolutely in love with me, and I'm absolutely in love with him, and we are weird and we're kooky, and nobody truly understands us. But like it works, and nobody outside will ever think otherwise. I agree. And I do have, I do have one more note about just kind of the basics of this episode. I just I wrote slut shaming returns. Uh, I don't remember what exactly was said i wish i'd written down the note um or the line but in the first episode right we have uh rory bring up that oh did you do something slutty Mm -hmm. and i believe in this episode again somebody refers to somebody as being a slut or doing something slutty um and i think this is going to be a common theme throughout the show is this like low-key slut shaming like we've we've spoken a little bit off podcast about how sex is approached in Gilmore, and it's going to be interesting, I think, to to see this progression because we already have the concept of doing something slutty or being slutty. It's a negative thing. It's a thing they bring up multiple times, at least once per episode so far, and it's just something I'm not personally chill with. Like slut shaming is not no, cool, neither. and the Gilmores kind of do it as easy as breathing, right? Yeah. Just not a cool Gilmore. Thing. I can't think. I can't think of off the top of my head what that line might have been. Um, I personally did not register it. I think that's the next episode because I don't remember that happening in this episode. I think it's well. It's between Lorelai in her her suit and Lane in the foxy hoodie. That's it. That's where it falls in the episode. <laughs> so if we ever want to go back, we can huh. find it. Oh, I do want to back up a little bit, if, if we don't mind. Um, an introduction to a character we did not see in the first episode that I was I was excited and really enjoyed. Jackson. We see our first yes! Su- oh, Suki yeah. and Jackson yes! interaction of Suki being absolutely ridiculous with the vegetables. So I have in my notes, uh, Paris and Rory, enemies to friends. And then I have Jackson and Suki, enemies to lovers. Yes. I don't know if they They're, would ever be enemies. They are so much fun. No, I mean no, they're not really. They're enemies, like, I guess they definitely they're get on each other. Bickery. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so cute. Though. They're so much fun. I love them. <laughs> See, it rolls differently. <laughs> the peach. I want to know: Did Suki actually take a peach from a fantastic batch and ruin it by rolling it on the floor? I mean, she, she would, would right? if anybody. They're would. all gonna end up on the floor regardless. It's Suki. Who bites a peach and goes, "Oh, it's too watery"? Like that. I agree with Jackson. That was planned. <laughs> I'm not a big peach person, but if I was doing it in front of the produce seller, I wouldn't. Am I wrong in that Jackson Jackson and Alex Borstein are married? Yes, they are. Oh, that's okay. cool. Okay, I, I did think so, yeah. 
I didn't know that. I will say, I do think Alex Bornstein plays a fantastic, aggressively. (laughs) Yes, I love her character on She plays the role to perfection. Yes, I do too. I think that they have found a much better role for her in Maisel than they did in Gilmore. I think it works much better for her. I well, they fleshed her character out a lot more in Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Versus here, just you see her in the inn playing the harp, and oh, she likes Black Sabbath and Pat Penatar, and um, that's kind of all we know about her. She aggressively pulls out tip jars, yeah, and plops it down. But I, I, I think the fleshed out character would have made a big difference. But they yeah, definitely. Suki makes a little appearance, not too big. Yes, and she is wearing. One bandana in the episode, and I think it is pink and white. Yes. Yeah. She only has one band-aid on her arm in terms of injuries. Oh, Suki. <laughs> Which is great for her, because normally there's, like, yeah, yeah. colored band-aids all over her fingers. Yeah. But other than that, were there any other people in Star Hollow we may have missed? I don't think so. I think we've kind of covered the new ones. We've covered who's joined us. And we, I mean, we just have more in the next episode in the next episode they just keep coming i did want to make a little side note if you don't mind when we first see lorelei and lane and rory walking down the street you know lane still got her foxy hoodie on lorelei mentions hey how about i take you two to hartford with me and you guys can have like your fun adventures while she's at business class why do we never see lane and rory hartford adventures i wondered about that too i don't think mrs kim would allow her that, that was my first thought, was Miss Kim would never agree to that. Um, but it, just the whole idea is never approached again. And then also, this is going to be an ongoing thing that's going to bug the ever-living crap out of me, of how Lorelai refers to it as her business class. Yeah. Is it one class at a time? I would assume so, since it's like one or two nights a week, it's just her class. But like, she's going for a whole associate's degree. Mm-hmm. I feel like when she refers to it as a class, it just sounds like a weird certification that she's getting to maybe put a CPA after her name, or not CPA, obviously, but to put an acronym after name. But this was like a full associate's degree. Yeah. We see her graduate. I feel like they downplay that a lot. The fact that it's an actual college degree is what she's doing. Which, good for her. Definitely. But she does downplay it. And I'm sure that... I'm sure that if we wanted to, like, break down the Laura Gilmore character, there's probably a lot of things in her life that she kind of regrets not being able to do and probably college is one of them and she probably doesn't want to make a huge deal about it but I do love her graduating well she she's very adamant even in this episode she does everything herself yeah so she does not need anyone else's help I'm actually trying to think I don't think we ever see Rory helping her study or anything either no. um, I don't even know if we see her studying we, I know we uh, do, we do. We do? Okay. yeah yeah, at one point. It's like finals or something. Yeah. And she's freaking out about it. So should we move on to Townsperson of the Week? Sure. Yes. Cool. Jess, you go first. Okay. I already brought him up. I feel like maybe somebody else is thinking the same thing. But I was so into Derek in this episode. He's just like, <laughs> he's there and then he's gone. He's this golden-haired little golden retriever of a guy. Absolutely yeah. the kind of guy that I crushed on in high school. I love that he's like the one person at this entire establishment that cares about his job. Like, yep, yes, he's just a real standout for me this week. I love him. I also said Derek, and I, I said Derek because I've been in his position. You know, like something happened and it was outside of your control, or it, it wasn't even your fault or anything like that. But you're the one who has to beg to 
apologize yeah. or to get forgiveness and especially to a manager or to someone above you and you're just trying your hardest like retail and hospitality jobs are so hard yes they are mm-hmm. and like this poor kid <laughs> how about you Emily? so i'm gonna go off from you too I'm putting Babette as my favorite townsperson, just because we finally see quintessential, fun, kooky Babette with her gnomes was was my reasoning. And you you start to first see the kind of love between Babette and Mori, too, I feel like. They're so cute. But I think I will also, I will also bow down to Derek, um, because though we never see him again, I do think he he fully deserves it this week. Where Derek stands on this podcast. We're gonna. It's gonna be like a year and a half, and we're gonna look back at all our town people. We're gonna be like, who the hell is Derek the Valet? Right? He like popped up in the episode, and I was like, Derek, where have you been all my life? <laughs> Season one, episode two, apparently. If Derek had gone to Jess's high school, she would have at one point thought, could we? If he if he approached me and said something, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I want that to be a running joke on Jess. Yeah. Every every boy she saw in high school. <laughs> Literally every boy. Every boy. Gosh. Would Tristan have gotten that? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Tristan would have. Tristan is the kind of boy that I would have, like, had a secret section of my journal about where I was like, one day Tristan and I will get married and we'll have two kids and a dog. Tristan was too Just a gray. Tristan would have been my hate love. It would have been, like, the one that I, like outwardly say like oh he's such a jerk I don't like him and then inwardly I'm like wow he's so cute kind of Please almost talk to me almost <laughs> like the Paris vibe where sometimes she's like oh, Tristan and then she's like oh, Tristan <laughs> yeah pay attention I say right now as like as much as I dislike Tristan now as an adult like if I was in high school he would have 100% been the boy that I would never admit to anybody that I liked but like I would be in love with oh yeah boys boys <laughs> Oh, boys. Well, there are other more uh, important and educational things than boys that we discuss on this podcast, such as books. Ah, okay. Time for, let's go with Stars Hollow Book Club. Read the books with Emily. So this particular episode, we did not have a whole lot of worry reading. All of our book references were, for the most part, based off of classes and schoolwork. So we had our references to Shakespeare, Charles Dickens, Tolstoy. But I would have to go with the biggest surprise for me was a reference to Charles Dickens' David Copperfield. Now, I grew up with David Copperfield as a magician, and that's 100% (laughs) who I thought David Copperfield was. So when they're having this spitfire in Rory's first literature class, who, by the way, this teacher disappears and you never see him again. Um, no, it's and then Max. We meet another <laughs> teacher <laughs> who has a much more prevalent role. They mention something about Charles Dickens and David Copperfield. So I had to look this up. And so in case all of you other people who are my age who only know David Copperfield as an illusionist, David Copperfield got his name from a Charles Dickens novel that was initially wrote out as a series and then combined actually into a book. So it was initially a series that started in 1849. And then all of the books were combined into one book in 1850, I believe. But 
It was initially called the Personal History, Adventures, Experience, and Observation of David Copperfield, the Younger of Blunderstone Rookery, which he never meant to publish on any account. And this is all in the initial title. Oh my god. <laughs> longest title wow. ever. <laughs> wow. At least according to Wikipedia. So, you know, I guess take that with a grain of salt. But apparently it is a very complicated weaving of truth and invention with events following Dickens' own life. So he actually kind of made it it's a little bit of a mini autobiography about some of his own experiences with, of course, some fiction kind of you know, gotten in there. It's it's not a true biography by any means. But I just thought that was a fun reference, I guess. That could be my reference of the week. But also just a fun kind of thing that, no, David Copperfield was not initially a magician. I've read a lot of Dickens in school. Uh, David Copperfield was not one of them. Tale to Cities, Great Expectations, mm-hmm. um, uh, Christmas Carol, probably. All of those, but never David Copperfield. So I'm kind of surprised that they're they know about it they're reading it I don't, i'm not sure how it fits into their lesson plan but so the teacher was asking i think about inspirations of charles dickens or no tolstoy mm, okay he was he was asking about inspirations from tolstoy and paris of course is like naming off names and inspirations um and that at one point uh, charles dickens from david copperfield was one of his big um, inspirations for some of the stories that he mm-hmm. wrote uh, gotcha, so that's gotcha. that's how it gets into the show itself but yeah, I mean, Charles Dickens, he's mostly known for, like, Nicholas Nickleby and Christmas Carol and A Tale of Two Cities, like you said, Great Expectations. David Copperfield was never anything that I had heard of by him until this episode. Interesting. Nice. So then, of course, after um, the Stars Hollow book club, we have Fashion by Jess. Welcome to Jess's Fashion Corner. A key element of this episode is fashion, right? Lorelai's first day at Chilton is ruined by Lorelai's outfit. And I really focused on the scene where Lorelai is waking up in her bedroom to see what clothing we see in her room, right? We know that she's taken all of her nice clothes to the cleaner, which is, I've never taken my clothes to a dry cleaner. So the idea of taking literally every nice thing I own and taking it out of my house where I cannot access it. I've never experienced that. Doesn't seem smart. Hopefully she learns her lesson. But a couple of things that I saw hanging in Lorelai's closet that I thought could have made a better outfit than what she chose to wear were, one, there is a blue leopard print dress or nighty. Two, there's a blue and white or white and purple tie-dye, again, dress, maybe nighty what looks like a white sweater or possibly a pair of weird stretchy white lounge pants, possibly a white dress. And I also saw a long tan or camel colored coat. There were more items in that closet, but it was hard in the scene to see exactly what was there. Here's one outfit idea that I think would have been better than the pink shirt and the Daisy Dukes. I think if she had paired the purple and white tie-dye dress with the white sweater under the long camel coat with a pair of just flats that would have been so much better than what we see her choose and I understand that we are supposed to see her being super pressed for time she's frustrated she's just trying to throw on whatever is there I've been there right like you don't have your clothes on you get a knock at the door and you're like crap I gotta put clothes on really really quick still like 
take the 30 seconds to breathe and look at your closet, Lorelai. I did have a couple other options. However, one, borrow clothes from Rory. This is something that we even see in the next episode. They discuss their approximate sizing as compared to each other. I won't go into details Mm because that's a big part of next episode. But it seems completely realistic that she could borrow something from Rory. And I would even take that a step further and say, if she had worn a pair of her own normal jeans and a sweater Mm -hmm. from Rory, she would have been solid, right? She would have looked nice. She had dirty clothes everywhere. So I was just like, just take a pair of jeans and douse it in Febreze and just like do it (laughs) better than those she had to actively search out the clothes that she wore versus just grabbing the first thing in the closet the first thing in the closet again we had like the one tie-dye dress and then the other dress on the left that i think was the leopard print Mm. like either of those like you said would have been better and instead she goes to her Mm. dresser and starts rifling through her dresser and i even went and i did some googling to look at late 90s early 2000s you know slip dresses cami dresses i wanted to make sure that when I said she could wear that dress out in public, that I wasn't, you know, BSing. And it is exactly like I remember. Those little spaghetti strap sheath dresses were super in at the time, and it would not have looked out of place. I mean, yes, it might not have been chilt and appropriate, but it would have been way more chilt and appropriate than Daisy Duke's cowboy boots. The other thing is, her shoe game, I think, could have also changed the look, right? What was that? Throw on a pair of sneakers. Like, she committed to the role. She did. She could have grabbed any other pairs of shoes. They weren't also at the dry cleaners. Do we ever see Lorelai wear cowboy boots again? Are we supposed to believe these are just a staple in in her wardrobe that she's like, oh my gosh, I need shoes. Boom. Right for the cowboy boots. I don't know if we, we do. do see her wearing a cowboy hat mm-hmm. that I now that have true. to wonder if she was wearing cowboy boots with hats. <laughs> we'll have to watch But closely. we don't see him. Connecticut doesn't have cowboys. <laughs> sure <laughs> they do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everywhere's got a little rural corner, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, this was just, it was a rough episode for fashion. I mean, I focused pretty heavily on looking at Lorelai's closet for my fashion focus this time. The other thing is a lot of the time when we're not dealing with Lorelai's outfit, we're looking at the Chilton uniforms, which I think are very standard uniforms as Sandra has kind of covered today already. But I will say something that I have noticed about Lorelai's workwear is that Lorelai wears mini skirts to work. Like, I don't know if you could call them anything other than being mini skirts. I professionally would never wear a mini skirt just because... I've got a little more hips and booty than she does. And when I wear something that short, it definitely doesn't look professional, at least in my eyes. And I know that there's like a little Mm. bit of like internalized bias there about, you know, thinking this is professional, don't show skin or whatever. But I almost feel like the little short skirt outfit that she was planning on wearing, I would have been like, ooh. Isn't that a little scandalous for a Chilton mom? Still would have been better than what she wore. Well, yes. yes. Lorelai goes on, I was going to wear the flippy skirt. I was going to wear the flippy skirt and it was going to be so great. And then you flippy. see her and I'm like, where's the flip? About that skirt is flippy. Where's the flip? Yeah. <laughs> that is a straight up minute. I know, it's the same thing. I do think she looks fantastic in that suit. She yeah. wears it so well. It does make me wonder though, that suit, is it a product of its time in that those kind of lengths in young managers was, you know, completely appropriate or is it a product of TV? 
of just making somebody look sexier. better, better, sexier than what mm-hmm. the traditional person in that role would dress. I mean, I think that when you get to dress Lauren Graham, like, you can yeah. pull out all the stops. She has great legs. She's, She's got great legs. She looks incredible in it. But, yeah, it is interesting. It would be interesting for me. I'll, I'll look into that. I'll see what was business wear in the 2000s. The 2000s were a rough period of time for fashion. Um, I think the Gilmore Girls escape a lot of the especially tricky trends, I'll say. Like mm-hmm. the, the hyper layering that we see throughout the 2000s. Not quite as bad in Gilmore Land. Yeah, you get a lot of midriff in, in Gilmore Land. Yeah. Which you don't get in the, like, I, I was full blown in the layers. Oh, yeah. You've um, got to have, like, three not, tank tops on. Yes. I did not leave the house with at least, without at least one extra layer more than needed. And then also a belt. I wore a belt literally every day. Like, if I had one belt that was starting to wear, I was like, Mom, it's time to go to the store. My belt's wearing out. I need a new one. I was a belt girl, too. And sometimes I, I'll try to put a belt on my pants and I'm like, ooh, no. Yeah, I don't like it now. I've grown out of the belt. I'm trying to remember what I used to wear, but I used to wear my uniform. Uh, what we would do <laughs> when so school, school was done and we had our like club activities and stuff, a lot of the girls would take sweatpants and put it on under their skirt and still have the skirt on. We do see that look at one point. Sweatpants it's under what the skirt. we used to do. It's in the next two more episodes. I think. I'm sure. I mean. Something to look forward to. It's authentic. Yeah. So reference of the week. There weren't a lot of references this week. Or if there were, there were very like classical references. We already talked about David Copperfield and a little of the academic ones. Martin Luther, we mentioned in the summary. There's the religious ones, Virgin Mary and Mary Magdalene. But besides that, I didn't have any reference that really stuck out to me. Yeah, there is the reference when the Lorelai's arrive at Shelton and they're doing the head tilting scene and they make a reference to the hunchback of Notre Dame. Lorelai says, Oh, yeah, yeah that's um, true. checking to see if there's a hunchback in that bell tower. And I mean, they they really zoomed in on those gargoyles. That was definitely the vibe they were trying they to They were put creepy, across. yeah. Yes. But yeah, I didn't have, there wasn't a Flojo moment for me. Let's say that. There wasn't no, a Flojo moment. I will say I love picking out scenes that are in the intro. So like when yeah. they're leaning forward and their heads tell them, like, God, <laughs> that's in the intro. Speaking of which, next week we have to talk about the intro. Because we have still not talked about the intro. Like the the actual song and all that stuff. I do think that we have to bring it up yes. at one point. Yeah. Okay. But what I will tell you guys is... Rory had one cup of coffee. Just one. Oh, wow. Mm. That's not very much for a big first day of school. Well, this pretty much spans only one day. So I guess yes. that makes sense. Um, and she had it at the end of the day. Not even in the beginning. So she, she probably had some in the beginning that we didn't see. Yes. It wasn't mentioned, so I didn't want right, to include it. There. I'm saying, like, because they were rushing and all that stuff, I it's possible they didn't get coffee. Lorelai had four cups of regular coffee and potentially one cup of decaf. And when I say cups, I mean six. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but five in total. I mean, that's that's a lot for one day. In one day? Yeah. Yeah. Not as much as nine. She went down. This is true. And especially for the day that she had, that's actually really surprising that she only had five. <laughs> especially after her coffee and an IV. Yeah. She seemed to enjoy Luke's, even though it was decaf, which was interesting. So I'm not sure if it was decaf or if he was just messing with her. So we do see in later episodes that, like, she can tell. Yeah. She knows. Uh, Lorelai is definitely a, a coffeeholic. A Java junkie is what she said, right? Yeah. Java junkie, rather. But, yeah, that was the Lorelai's first day at Chilton. 
It was a good episode. I don't know if anything crazy happened. Yeah. I will say that going back and watching, I've watched like the first three episodes now. It's amazing how many things I thought took, you know, the entire season to happen are happening right away. Like the introduction of Paris and the Tristan crush and all of this is like, the, it doesn't feel like a ton happened, but at the same time, they're really setting us up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jess, you had mentioned earlier that you had a hot take before we started recording um, yeah. about this being a filler episode. And I agree to an extent that not a whole lot happened. We did meet some fun new characters. I, I do think that if this had not been the Lorelai's first day at Chilton, a lot of the things that happened in this episode could have, I guess, gone without. So the Chilton is obviously the big thing. Mm-hmm. The only reason I think it's not a filler episode is because that happened. Yeah. I just feel like there's not a lot that, like, moves the plot forward in this episode, I guess. Yeah. I, it's more of an introduction than a Yeah, there's a, a lot of introduction device. stuff. Which is fair. It's only episode two. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably oh. it for episode two. Yeah, I had a lot of fun talking with you guys. Definitely. As always, yes. And I am really looking forward yeah. to talking about the next episode. It's one of my favorites. Me too. Yay! Again, uh, we're going to be doing that Stars Hollow Talks, so please let us know in our email, in our Twitter, and we'll have all of those handles at the end of the show. If you want to talk to us, if you want to tell us that you completely disagree with Derek, who is adorable. so cute! (laughs) We have to look up that actor. 100%. Yeah, right? He's no other He definitely deserves to be Town's Person of the Week. Um, please hit us up and uh, goodbye. See you in the Yes. Yeah. Thanks for tuning Bye. in. Hey guys, connect with us on Instagram and on Twitter at Town Meeting Pod. That is P O D at the end. And we actually have changed our email. So email us at Town Meeting Pod at gmail.com so i don't know if you've noticed but we like the whole town meeting pod except for tiktok where we're gilmore girls podcast thanks guys this has been emily jess and sandra and a special thanks to nilgen for recording for us thank you